I asked for the fun room and look at you showed up. So I think I got the right people in here today. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian home and um, I did not grow up in Pentecost, but in high school, uh, God had sent a youth director that was freshly baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, through our Bible studies and prayer times and all that, the whole youth group got uh, uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit and a lot of kids came to Saving Knowledge of Christ. And uh, that shaped kind of my uh, uh, upbringing in there before I went over to the Assemblies of God. So I'm so glad that God uh, reached down in there. Uh, I've been a uh, pastor and congregation uh, up in uh, south in Iowa, uh, received the Macedonian call. I was in Macedonia, Iowa, and um, uh, there was one blinking light there. So you can get an idea of the size of the church that was there. And then um, I've also served uh, uh, years in district office work, uh, about 15 years over on the East Coast. And before I went to Springfield, we were in uh, one of the large churches up in the Washington, D.C. area. I was on the was executive pastor up there on the teaching, preaching team. And uh, we saw a lot of people mobilized for Christ pre-COVID. And uh, uh, it was a wonderful thing. When the, when the national news is your local news, it's a really different dynamic uh, in there. And then I was in uh, Springfield for uh, about 13 years. Uh, I served with Zolly Smith. I was actually called by uh, an individual that did a lot of placement uh, for ministry staff positions. And having come out of the, uh, the district office, he would call me on occasions and say, listen, do you know somebody that, and then he'd fill in the blank of the profile of the individual. But when he called me on a, during the time I was prepping on a Wednesday night, I felt like I should take the call. And I said, Gordy, I'm in prep, so what do you, how can I help you? And uh, he said, there's a position I think you ought to consider. And as soon as he said that, that dropped in my heart. I ended up going to Springfield serving with Zolly Smith. I was his right-hand man for district relations and, and uh, field operations for uh, U.S. missions. And then uh, with the transitions that were happening in Springfield, I got a call from Dr. Woods and we need you to come over here to step into our chief operating officer position. So. Um, the wide range of, of things I've been involved with um, uh, here. When it comes to volunteers, um, uh, they're so critical to the lifeblood of the church. So what are we going to do? We're going to look at here today. Um, uh, I'm not going to do all the talking. Some of the things I'm going to present to give you some tools for your toolbox. You'll have some time to uh, discuss some questions at your table and we'll kind of move those right along. And then uh, we'll eventually get to the place of a wrap up. Uh, the clock is going to dictate our kind of our agenda to, or our time and the agenda today. So I'm going to watch kind of that because we actually need to be walking out of the room and we'll finish up right at 25 after because they're going to fly in here to create a dinner and they want to really get that done uh, pretty quick. So um, uh, the clock will be talking to us in a little bit, but I'll let you know that as we're going along. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do when we're talking about um, achieving, oh, how'd that go off like that? Let's go back into the, yeah, can you put that back into the presentation? Hey, oh, there you are. thank you. I was pushing the buttons while I was talking. That doesn't help here. So one of the things I wanted to uh, uh, bring to you, which you normally would not uh, look at this, is I want, there's, there are studies that have actually been coming out that are actually giving some context to the things that we're feeling in our own ministries in the local church. Things have changed since COVID. And uh, while that seems obvious, some of the things as I talk to ministry leaders and have 
had some of these experiences myself, it's hard to kind of like, it's like, I know some things have changed, but what is it over here that's not the same anymore? So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you um, uh, what the data is showing us, uh, both in the macro and some global perspectives, US when it comes to volunteerism, but then also we're gonna drill right down into the local church because there's some uh, studies that have come out that are showing us very specifically where the priorities are in the local church right now and some things that you've been feeling. I'm actually gonna put the data to and then we're going to talk about that. So one of the things that we, as we look at uh, some of these pieces here is that um, uh, this is a large study that was done here in the US and this was done by uh, points of light in here. And one of the things that this is showing us here is that the, the individuals, these are large samples that are looking at, is that we've got, when people are planning to do, uh, the question was, do we plan to do volunteer work more than I did before the pandemic? Well, when we look at that, there's only about 36% of people said, yeah, I'm gonna jump back in, I'm gonna really get involved with this. But here's a shift that, uh, that, that has, has hit general volunteerism here in the US is back over here, that big, large orange uh, portion of that graph here, 65%, their virtual volunteering will be the primary way I volunteer during the next month. And that's actually something that people are still having volunteer uh, 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 willingness there, but how they do it has completely shifted since the pandemic in here. This study was, was completed, it was reported out in 22, most of the data was coming in 2021. One of the things too that we're discovering here is that, that organizations that use volunteers now have to, have to spend the time to answer the question, why? Why is what we do, why is it important? Why should I invest the time? People are looking at the ROI of their time and engagement. And it's not that people are not volunteering right now, I'll show you where they are in just a minute. But that question right here is, we must use the time to share, we have to educate their potential constituents about why their issue deserves attention, why people are going on. And that's something when we overlook what people are asking for right now, we automatically do not get engagement from people. But right now people are wanting to know why is it important that I would, that I would give my time to your organization. The same uh, study that was done here uh, by Points of Light here, also looking in a global perspective, and that um, uh, when we look at uh, the US, the UK, we look at some of the um, South American countries, and we're gonna look at, this is a, just a bigger footprint here. One of the things we find is that the US and the UK had the lowest percentage of respondents who saw volunteering as, as important. So considering, as we look at these dots over here, uh, the question was, do I plan to volunteer more than I did before the pandemic? If you look at the little uh, blue dot there, that's the UK, the small orange dot, that's the US. Look at the size difference than when we're looking at either, either globally, all volunteers that were done this very large study, that's the big black dot, 54%, or India at 70, uh, 69%, or Brazil at 68%, Look how much smaller here in the, in the US and the UK, the responses that people have an intention to do uh, volunteer work. It is rather amazing. Some of you are feeling that right now and haven't quite been able to put a finger on it. The stats are showing, here's where the population's what they're feeling. 
So one of the things that we do know about uh, the activities of people engaged with public charities, around 40% of public charities rely on either entirely or heavily on volunteers to run. Well, in the local church, we all know you might be a, a solo pastor, a solo leader there in there, or you might be on a pastoral staff. The fact of the matter is we think about all that we do in the church, the church cannot hire enough people to do the ministry. It just isn't gonna happen. And sometimes um, uh, when we cross the line and think that um, uh, we try to act like we're five people rather than one, it causes severe problems when we do that. But when we look at volunteerism in the U.S. and we start calculating uh, the number of hours, uh, studies say that for Americans, they volunteer almost 9 billion hours annually. We also have an estimate if you just valued that at even, even uh, hourly, currently about $29.95 to the time that they would put in, which wouldn't be necessarily a lot of time still. Um, they say that we have in America, we've donated almost $270 billion worth of time. So there's a lot of activity going on in volunteerism. The question I just wonder uh, is, are you getting a portion of those volunteers? And I'm gonna give you some tips on there on, on how we need to approach that differently. Gallup, if you uh, are able to pick this up, one of the things that is, is we have fine here in the, the green uh, line that is going along there, that's the percentage of donated money in a year's time uh, that goes there. And then on the bottom, we have volunteer time. One of the things is we look about from 2001, clear up to 2000, uh, 2021, we can see that at um, uh, 80, about 81%, uh, uh, we're about where we were at clear back here when we had the recession. So you remember back in uh, 28, 29, that's what we're hearkening back to on behavior for general volunteerism in the US. But one of the things that is, um, as far as giving, when it comes to the time, on the other hand, notice where this is at on both charts here. That's at a 56%. And that goes clear back to the recession, uh, back to uh, uh, 20, uh, 2009 in there. But that trend line has not picked up. So what, what, as we go on out to some of the other studies, we're finding we are at a historic low in volunteerism here in the US. And that's likely, if you're feeling a pinch of volunteers, this behaviorally is going on across the country. One of the things that we also look at uh, here is, uh, in a different way, is there is different volunteer behavior pattern based on salaries or income levels. So when we look at bands, for instance, we look at the top money donated, generally from 2017, 2020, and 2021, uh, while there's a little dip during the pandemic, we're pretty much, we're up to about, if someone is making a donation of 100,000 or more, they're pretty much right on pace again. But if you go down to, the, um, uh, to where the donated money is between 40,000 and nine, uh, 99,000, uh, 99, uh, we see that there's a dip down there. And for those that are donating less than 40,000, look at the big jump, uh, the drop there between 2017 at 73%, now down to 68%. When we look at volunteer time and we, we look at this, every one of the categories is down and some significantly. 
So you start thinking about those that are highly invested in your church on where that they're giving. There's actually behavior that will also uh, be associated with that. But overall, time in volunteerism is down uh, across the board. And some, some are saying they're at, at historic lows. And that's all the Gallup organization. Uh, here's on the monetary donations in the last 12 months. We see this donated to religious organizations is the green line going here. If you'll look at that from the recession, moving all the way over to where we are now, it's been a continual downslide. So if you're feeling pressure on your budgets, that is part of the reason. There's overall behavior that is showing that that, is, that has gone down. When it comes donated to charities, it's a very interesting thing. Notice the uptick there. So people are giving, it's just that they're not necessarily giving to religious organizations. So there's, some, there's, a, there's a gap that is happening in there. This last piece right in here, adults volunteer activities in the last three months, also showing people are volunteering. 47% report volunteering their time to secular charities, but look at 35% of Americans report volunteering to religious organizations. So people are volunteering, but if we're feeling some of the crunch both financially and in volunteerism, if, if that's your experience, you're actually experiencing what many are experiencing. Now, I know some uh, had reported during the pandemic that they had, had tremendous engagement and tremendous uh, giving, but that would be outside of norm uh, in here. The normal pattern is really press, presses us into this way. There's the University of Maryland in their study on volunteerism that, that noted nonprofit volunteers are more valued than ever, but they are scarce. So I would say that there's just, there's just not as many at play in religious organizations right now. So let's turn our attention. That's, that's for general volunteerism. Looking back here specifically at the church, uh, one of the studies that um, I'll have a resource slide that will come up at the end. You can just snap that and then you can go and get all the studies that I'm kind of referencing up here, uh, here today. But for all the activities that we do, when we go out, we want to make sure that we are, are reaching the loss. We're wanting to make sure we're discipling. We're doing those kinds of activities. Here's what the recent study from uh, Lifeway was showing is the number one concern of pastors right now, and that is 77% of Protestant pastors say developing volunteers is an, is an issue they need to address. How many can relate to that right now? You're in this workshop. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, so that the other pieces that are in there that are falling in the order is then fostering connections with unchurched, then growing the spirit of the spirit of apathy within the local church. But the number one there again is back to volunteerism, so critical in our churches and for what we do. So part of what we're, we're I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you. Um, uh, two, two chunks of, uh, or two listings that will help you, number one, out of the study here uh, of how to do recruitment in this kind of environment, and then secondly, 
how to do, how to lead those volunteers so that they stay with you. So two sides of that, I'm going to give you uh, five tips under each of those pieces. And this is based out uh, primarily out of the Lifeway research and the work that Chuck Peters has done in interpreting this. So here are the five things. Here's number one. There are some methodologies that we used to use pre-pandemic that we would get some results from, but really work counter and really don't work so well anymore, and that is guilt. <laughs> so I'm going to encourage you on the first one. It's kind of a negative here, but um, uh, just think about how we're approaching volunteers and let's set aside guilt because it's not effective. And particularly post-COVID, it actually works absolutely against us. If we want to create a culture of yes, with our people, um, then we have to do some shifting in how we do our recruitment. Uh, one, of the, one of the axioms here, this little equation, I also have it up there, is that when we lead with need or we lead with obligation, the equation shows we're gonna get a no. Because people don't want to have a sense that they're being responsible for the commission of an offense. If I don't say yes to the request, somehow I'm hurting the church. <laughs> or somehow the response, I've, now it's my responsibility that this particular ministry is not going to work. People are going to not want to touch that. So when we lead with guilt or we lead with obligation or with need, typically we're going to get a no. So how do you get a yes out of people? Well, there's four things that are very positive I'm going to give you here on this is what, what, the, what, the, uh, what the research is telling us. Number one, communicate clear and a compelling why. Remember back up to that, that about that second slide that I had that uh, all organizations that have volunteers right now are having to go back to, and I say it's not a justification, but it's getting back to the articulation of, of our mission the vision, what's the outcomes we're doing. And, and we got to go back in and we got to give a compelling why. And part of when we're doing that, it moves beyond typical recruitment patterns where we go up and we'll talk about the, the where, the what, the when, and um, uh, the how, and uh, how they need to do the ministry and whatnot. But instead, we focus on a clear and compelling why for the ministry. Um, so again, I'm going back to right now, people are really weighing, is this a worthy thing? Is this the thing I want to say no to some other stuff over here? And I want to say yes to portioning out my time and giving it here. What is the ROI, the return on my investment here? Um, they're, they're just being much more discriminating about where they're going to place their time. So we can assume people are willing. We can assume that people will invest their time someplace. What we want to do with our why is to show why engagement with, with kingdom work and specific kingdom work within the church is an important and a valuable and a wonderful, wonderful thing. So uh, they really need some encouragement along those ways. So part of what we do here is that we arm ourselves with clear whys. So we anchor it in our missional purpose. We talk about uh, uh, the urgency, the importance, the value, and the outcomes that are happening. When we participate here, here's, here's what we're actually doing. For instance, we might say it like this. 
Our children's ministry is a critical strategic investment in raising up the next generation of Jesus followers. That's a good why for rather than say, you know, we really got some kids that need some babysitting. I mean, that just didn't work. But on the other hand, we put it up to really what is a, should be going on there. A strategic investment in the next generation of Jesus followers. All of a sudden, we got a different set of, we've given them a new set of lenses to look at what is involved with those activities in there. So the results of volunteers who say yes and buy into the why more deeply invest them. Because they know, boy, it's not a problem for me to get up and be early uh, 30 minutes to do because I know what our outcomes are. I know why this is important. They'll be more personally connected. They're more likely to be long-term contributors. So here's a sentence. It's kind of a nice little jingle that will help you with this. When they buy the why, they won't say goodbye. When they buy the why, they won't say goodbye. I know in thinking back in some of my own ministry context, sometimes we were not clear enough about the why and the activities that were going on and people were not Velcroed in. They were not seeing kingdom work getting done and have that sense of value. And they said goodbye. And that, that can happen. Another thing that becomes very important right now post COVID is that we clarify expectations, not be afraid of having that conversation in there because unclear expectations lead to unmet expectations. And unmet expectations will not Velcro people in, they will go. So no, uh, no one's comfortable saying yes to something that is undefined. So we go ahead and this takes some prep on our part. You know, we gotta think about the positions that we're, we're um, uh, uh, about in the church and those that are, people are going to say yes to, and then we just have to do some defining. I'll give you some more things about that in just a second. But it does mean that we have to prepare before we have the recruitment conversation. So what is it I'm going to be talking with them about? What, what is the ask going to be? What, when I'm talking about the why, have I defined it in terms of that is attached to the mission, to the vision? And it's, it's just not about doing a task, okay? Uh, in there. So we do have to prepare and communicate clearly. We define the roles and we define the tasks. Uh, in one church that I was in, uh, we actually took, it took us a number of weeks to do this, but we categorized and we created the, the answer the why questions. And then we gave clear expectations and definitions about what was involved in the ministry. And we had just under 300 ministry points of which people could plug into the church. It was, it was a very, it was a lab, uh, laborious activity. However, once we got some of these things down and we were intentional about doing our recruitment, even this is before COVID, we even saw our engagement go up. People just want clarity. You know, what's expected of me um, uh, in there? No surprises. And then number four, provide an in and provide an out. Now this almost seems um, a little bit different, but one of the things uh, we want to do, I want to provide an in, is that we want to invite them to join on, onto a team or into relationships. If we only recruit to a task and that's it, there's not much that's going to Velcro them in there. If I know that, that I'm going to be part of another group that, yeah, we do, we're going to do some things that matter because I understand the why, but when I'm invited into a group in there 
we are all naturally wired. It's the way God made us. Relationships will pull us in. It begins to be the thing that sticks us together. So we're inviting. It's more than just the task. It's, it's being a part of a group that's going along and doing this missional work for the kingdom. So create places that they can belong to and connect to with the church community. One of the things I see, and um, I've gone uh, through part of my role, I'm able, I, I have a church that I go to for pretty regularly, but I also, for anyone that's supporting the university, I go to other churches around, and it's amazing how people are able to create these cultures of connectedness. I see it with uh, branding with t-shirts. I see someone with polos. Uh, there's all kinds of different ways that they kind of connect that way. But the other thing that, that happens is that there's, there's leaders that have been trained back in there that create this in and this opportunity for out on the inside. They're able to help with, with, with providing the relational glue there with the folks. And they, so they coach, they coach the group in a way, and they don't lead heavy handed, but they, they celebrate together, they root for each other together, uh, they pray regularly as a group together, uh, they encourage one another, and, and all of us are aware of the long list of the one another's that are in scriptures on there and stuff. A lot of that is taking place within the ministry team and the activity there. So that is part of that, that connection in there. And the thing about the uh, and out, so the in is about relationship, provide an in and an out. Um, uh, we really, it's to our advantage to be realistic about time commitments. Let's not be afraid to talk about time commitments, but let's be realistic um, with individuals. And here's what post-COVID is really working a lot better with, and that is going for shorter commitments. Rather, you know, the, I think the time of having the, 20-year um, uh, uh, Sunday school worker or those that are doing some in some of these areas that are there for 20, 25, 30 years and all that. I think that's something we're going to celebrate kind of in the past. People right now, they wanted to find things. So if I say yes to this, what's this going to mean? Well, we're looking at a three-month time frame. It's going to be 10 weeks, but we got a little bit of carryover with the holidays. So it's really a 12-week, it's a 12-week window. And here's the expectations on time. Here's what we need you to do for time and to be here. As they, here's the support that's going to be around. And the team's going to be great. And here's for the reasons on that. But um, how, how would 90 days of this 12-week period, this 90 days, uh, work for you? Hmm, I think I could try it for 90 days. And what happens after 90 days? Well, if you want to stay on, we'll be glad to have you there. But we want something that's going to work for you because we want to be able to align with your, your passions, your gifts, and the, your work schedule. And boy, if you're working, right now you're in a season where you don't have high demand, you can give, through, give three months. We would love three months and have you a part of our group. You know, but, but we're more realistic right now and flexible, and that's what I'm talking about, in on relationships and out on the commitments that we're not signing people up for a five-year commitment, okay? You know what I mean? That's just, just a, little bit, uh, a little bit too difficult. Um, so then the, the last thing that's working right now post-COVID is making the ask personal. Again, these are all recruitment uh, tools and tips right in here. Make it personal. What is really ineffective, and, and I would say that just the, the response rate, just check it out yourself with whatever methods you're using. But the mass uh, requests for, hey, we need people for, and you fill in the blank, and do that in service. I would just challenge you really to look to see if that time and that pitch, how many people really just 
flock out there and start signing up for the, whatever it is. Most of the time we're finding that that is just dead air out there because as everyone's looking at the people sitting out there and everything else, the thing that is on their mind is, surely someone else is gonna to respond to that request, but they don't step up and be the one to respond. So, um, uh, so what is the best way to do it? Meet with people one-on-one. -on -one. I know it becomes a little bit, it's a labor intensive activity. Sometimes you could do it in different types of uh, ways to hit more people at a time. But really the one-on-one, -on -one, the personal becomes the most effective right now. And when we do that, again, I'm going back for reinforcement, communicate the why. Make sure that that's an important part of that conversation. Unpack the expectations and then extend the invitation to join the team. Relationally driven right there. So here's what I'd like for you to do. There you got your five tips right in there. I'd like for you to turn to people in your group. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you about three, four minutes for a conversation. Somebody don't monopolize it. Just throw out like popcorn some responses. But here's the question. Which tip might have the biggest impact on your next recruitment conversation? Okay, go ahead and go. Okay, let's, uh, let's keep moving along. Thank you for the good engagement there. If you picked up some uh, good reflections from some folks, make sure you get phone numbers or whatever else. You can pick up the conversations at dinner or whatever you got. Okay, uh, so recruitment conversations, some of those elements particularly uh, that support us from the research post-COVID. Also one of the things have shifted too with leadership, with volunteers. So I want to give you uh, what the research is telling us and then we can plug in some experience in there. Number one, ministries really need to place a high value on personal calling, passion, and the alignment to ministry assignments. What, what will be ineffective and even destructive for ministries is if the program itself is the driver. We've got to be thinking about volunteers. We've got to think about God's people that are in the church. What's going on in there on their, on their personal calling? This isn't a selfish thing, because as we, we read about spiritual gifts and whatnot, it's, it's the spirit, it's Christ that imparts these gifts and the talents and the abilities into people. And we try to mobilize those. Let's give consideration to those right now, post-COVID, we've got to let that be amplified a bit more in the way we lead people. So we are focusing on personal calling, passion, and alignment to ministry assignments individuals rather than programs are priority so and here's the sacred cow is we have to sunset programs without blaming people or putting guilt on them um, that doesn't mean that we are not staying focused on mission we may need to do the mission differently now so it's not about the program it's about staying faithful to mission but that might be a time that we have to do it differently so if we're going to employ and lead people and have people rally to mission and passion, then we got to give priority to some of these in this season that we're in. Second point here is regularly point to the difference that they are making. Now this points right back to what is important to people to understand the why. When we start, so what we do is we, we watch, we get the testimonies, we, we keep in touch with what's going on in the ministries and whatnot so that we're able to draw attention 
to the fruits of them doing the why. And here's the thing that was happening over here. We just, because we had set up our program, because we're strategically investing in the next generation of Christ followers, because you were here doing this work with the kids, that with the kids and all that, and it all led them to that time at the altar. We just had 12 kids except Christ this Sunday. Tell you what, people hear that, that this is why I'm here. Is for, for what just happened there. The Spirit showed up and did that. I'm good for another six months. Right? So we got to be really intentional about collecting the testimonies and the fruits of what are, are going on there. And we make celebrating success or the wins just a habit and part of our culture. When God's showing up and just doing his thing, we don't have to help him. We don't have to make it better than what it is. But we just report on what's happening in the body of Christ as we're loving together, doing the work. There's plenty of things that will inspire and will keep us connected in there. So that becomes a real important thing. Thirdly, monitor results and expectations. So this ties into, again, going back to uh, just being aware. The scriptures talks about that we're, we're being very aware of the condition of the flocks, okay? So as we're monitoring what's going on and, and, and these sorts of things, uh, it might be that uh, as we're doing things that we can meet some expectations or shift some expectations because of what the volunteers are able or willing to give at this point in time, we're gonna do things a little bit differently, okay? Um, there's all kinds of things that uh, uh, fall into that category. I just remember a, a recent one. I'm just thinking about a young couple that actually has, uh, they uh, had a very rough pregnancy a year ago. They're very active in um, uh, doing worship ministry. And um, one of the things that it, the particular church has a really pretty high demand and expectations for those that are involved on the platform and the rehearsal times and all these sorts of things. And they had been recruiting more younger uh, couples in there and stuff. But one of the things that was not provided that has become an issue and they're now losing these platform people is they're not taking care of a basic need that is early child care for those that are doing platform ministry. For some reason, they've just dug, you know, the church has dug in on this, even though, and I happen to know, that they've raised their hands a number of times, and now they got, they have uh, willing couples that are now stepping back, saying, I just can't, I can't do the ministry there. But the church is just satisfied, saying, well, you know, this is kind of the way it is and all that. That particular church will have to deal with that, but that's part of what I'm talking about here on monitoring results and expectations. Sometimes we just have to be a little more flexible into how the ministry is done so people can have that on-ramp easy to be able to engage. And it's not compromising anything. It's just being able to t take care of people. So we champion also on this, we champion individual and team success and remain appropriately flexible and resourceful to those who are giving their time in ministry. Number four, so set things up so you just avoid the potential for the awkward I quit conversation. Just create an environment on there where it can be a natural kind of in and out if need be with people. They don't feel bad. If they can go off without a problem, then they can come back in on a problem. How many would like to have people that went off come back in? Yeah. I just soon open those ramps up in such a way so it doesn't have to be awkward. 
I mean, people are saying, boy, you know, we're kind of having this issue starting to go up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to have time, but man, I just don't want to, I don't want to tell the pastor. I just don't want to tell whoever, because I know they're going to have a reaction and I'm going to feel, they're going to, I'll feel guilty. And folks, it's just a different day post-COVID, really. So create an environment so that we can just avoid the potentially awkward conversation. So part of what we do, remember back there in the recruitment, we set up those time frames where we say, listen, I, all, we need this particular role. It's just a 60 day. We just need from, uh, we need May and June covered and, and you'll be done before July. And um, let me just see how, how it's going for you. Just do intermittent checking. And then when it comes up to that time, don't be initiated as a leader saying, hey, we're coming up on the end of your time. We're so grateful that you were, you've, been able, you've been great and we've enjoyed having you on here. How'd it go for you? Well, yeah, I think it's been, been pretty good. Um, your time is done here at the end of June. Would you like to extend on or do you need to take a break or what would work for you now? We'd love to have you if it, were, if it works in your schedule or, and you can fill it in, put your own verbiage in there. But when we set it up in a way, that conversation does not have to be awkward. Make it really, really easy. It's expected. We do the check-ins. We, we know the time commitments on the range and then we know we're going to have the conversation and then just, just work on it so it's really Easy, easy, easy. Then, the, then the, uh, one of the things that would be very effective leading now post-COVID when leading volunteers is keep things warm and enthusiastic. You don't have to be plastic. Whatever is enthusiastic for you, be you. But be upbeat. We're doing kingdom work. We've got good people that God has brought into the church, there's people that are saying yes to ministry and all that, they are going to mirror you. However you carry off on, on, and, and engage them, they're going to start kind of benchmarking their own attitudes, their own dispositions. So be personal, be genuine, be loving, but also be enthusiastic, just be upbeat. I guess say we've got the Holy Spirit working for us. We've got a church. We've got people out there that are coming in, and there's some that are getting saved, and, and we're, doing, we're doing work that will matter for eternity. So we've got some things that we can, we can do in our situations that, that will help create some of that culture that's in there. So um, with that, uh, uh, people tend to mirror their leaders. And then the other thing is this, create a culture of service in the church. So in doing this, um, I would really, really consider going back and giving thought if just that one year push for volunteers is effective. If it's not, stop doing it. Create a culture where people are engaging, we're celebrating ministry, we're, we're holding up the why of what we do and then the fruits of that are out there all the time. That tends to be much more effective than the once a year push to recruit and let's fill up all the open slots here in the ministries of the church. That tends not to work, and as a matter of fact, it can work against you uh, when we do that. So here's the question. Here's the question at your tables. Going to give you a, a fast two minutes, so just do some popcorn answers here because I'm gonna, still going to just do a little wrap-up. Which tip may have the greatest impact on your leadership of volunteers and which have you overlooked and what was the consequence? Okay. 
Okay, we're gonna, let's come back together here. That was a little bit of a shorter session. If you're able to write those down, there may be some additional talk you can have. Take your friend out for dinner here tonight. Just a final, final thought, uh, just as we wrap up uh, here, you've been great. Thank you for engaging your, um, uh, your table conversations here. Um, just, just two thoughts I want to leave you with here when it comes to now I've given you some data on context of volunteerism, both in the U.S., a little bit on the global here, but then specifically for the local church. Things are different, aren't they, uh, post-COVID? So these are just two questions that um, I'd like for you to take with you is, do I need to reconsider my strategy of recruiting and developing volunteers? Spend some time in prayer on that. Look at the notes from our session here today. There's some research out there. I'm gonna put up the resource slide. You can take a shot of that and then you can go back in. There's lots of data that's out there on there that may be helpful to you. And then when it comes to recruitment, do I need to learn a different kind of conversation? We all, we all kind of reach for, if I asked you to sign your name on a, on a piece of paper here, you would instinctively reach for your preferred hand. We also go into recruitment with some preferred methods that are an easy reach for us, but they may be the methods and the approaches that we're using that don't work so well now. I want you to be successful for the kingdom. So maybe that'd be another question you can spend some time on. It's been good being with you. We're at 25 after, so thank you so much for being in our session today. <laughs>